following audio is from Deering Christian Church. Join us Sunday mornings at 10.15 or check us out at DeeringChristian.org. Life's Great Mysteries. I'm going to give you a few here. Life's Great Mysteries. We're going to start through the chronological life of a person, all right? We know that begins in time with you being very young. And when you're very young, this is a mystery to me. Maybe it wasn't to you, but when I was quite young, I always wondered... Where does the water in the toilet go, and how does it get there? Anybody wonder that? Was there just like a stopper down there? Is that? And I learned later that there's no stopper. It's like you flush it, but there's no stopper. It's just like more water goes into it. I found this out because we don't have electric. We don't have rural water our house. So when the electricity goes off, our water pump doesn't work. So you got to get a five gallon bucket. You got to dump. Anyway, I won't go into details, but all right. But as a kid, that's a huge mystery. Where in the world does that go? Junior high, here you go. Junior high, why do I despise that girl and think she's kind of cute all at the same time? Junior high, there you go. High school, what is trigonometry? I mean, seriously, what is trigonometry? College, why do I despise that girl and think she's kind of cute all at the same time? It's like... We come full circle with that one, all right? Then you hit adulthood, and it's this. Why don't these kids listen to what I say? All right? There you go. And then you hit 40-something, which happened to me a couple of years ago, and it's like this. What happened to six feet tall and 185 pounds? One of those numbers is shrinking, and one of them's growing, and I don't understand why. And then you hit that seasoned adulthood. All right? Seasoned is what we like to call it. You got a few years under your belt, all right? And it's this. Why won't these kids do what I say? It's like so much of life comes full circle. The greatest mysteries in life. And maybe I didn't touch on your greatest mysteries in life. But there are, I think, for every one of us, some mysteries in this life. We're going to look today in Colossians. If you want to turn there specifically, turn to Colossians chapter 1. Now, if you, if you were a part of, of Wednesday night class going on almost three years ago now, when we started the whiteboard class, as JB likes to call it, and uh, we started with Colossians, and, and you will know if you are a part of that class that <laughs> I'll do it today once again. That Colossians, just like the other letters written in the New Testament, was written to a church in a city. And the city uh, wasn't the Colossian city. That's the people, the Colossians. It was the city of Colossae or Colossae. All right? And you'll probably hear me say it both ways today. I did that in class all the time. Drove poor Steve Cornett crazy. Is it Colossae or is it Colossae? Steve, I do not know. That's why I say it different all the time. All right? All right, so, but I do know a little bit about this city. This city was a Roman city. It was near the Holy Land. It was close to Asia Minor in the Macedonian region. And what you have about this city, it was kind of a has-been of a city. At one time, it was a great, powerful, very, very influential and financially powerful city. But Rome had changed all of that. They had restructured the roads so that Colossae kind of got left out. Right? But it is still a city that took great pride in its collective intellect. It was known as a cultural center where people were just really, really smart. At least they thought they were. Okay? 
The other thing about this city is, interestingly enough, Paul wrote a letter to this city, the people of the church in this city, and he did not found this church. In other words, he didn't start this church. Most likely, this church was started by a disciple of Paul, and don't get confused with that. Paul in 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says this, Imitate me as I am imitating Christ. So any disciple of Paul was through him a disciple of Jesus Christ. All right? But Paul did have people who, who learned from him. He took them under his wing. And, and one of those, his name was Epaphras. And Epaphras was from Colossae. And he went back there. He preached the gospel. And lo and behold, the church would begin. Paul wrote this letter from prison. It's interesting. We talked about a letter we, that he wrote Last week as we were together, that was a prison letter. And that was the letter written to the church in Philippi. Philippians, we call it. And as we talked about last week, he wrote that letter from prison because it was a thank you note. It was a thank you letter because he just, the people in Philippi had supported him for years. Um, he also wrote another prison letter was the letter written to the Ephesian church. The church in Ephesus in that region and in that town. And as he wrote that letter to the church in Ephesus, is really kind of a how-you-doing letter. There wasn't any real big problem there. there. There was maybe some racial tension that was within that church, but there wasn't any big, huge problems. And another letter that Paul wrote from prison was what we call the book of Philemon in our Bible. And that was completely different, because it's not written to a church, it's written to an individual. And it was kind of a personal matter that Paul needed to address, because Philemon had a slave named Onesimus. And Onesimus ran from him, left him, took off, which was illegal, by the way, in that system. And sooner or later, he found Jesus. He found Paul. All right? And Paul sent him back to Philemon. And he sent him with a letter for Philemon to accept him back without punishing him. So it was kind of a personal letter that was written. Now, we also see the letter written to the church in Colossae. What you have here, this church, this town, had a very specific problem. There was a reason Paul wrote them, and he had to warn them about heresy that was beginning to pop up within the church. Now, without going into a whole lot of detail, this was the problem. This was what was taking place there. It was kind of a hybrid problem from, from Jewish tradition and the tradition of the day, the, the Greco-Roman or the Hellenistic tradition, okay? So the, this thing that was attacking the church was kind of a hybrid issue here. And it involved this, the worship of supernatural powers, specifically for the Jews, the worship of angels, all right? Because angels were not created to be worshipped. They were created to serve God. And there was also another issue that was taking place there. It was imposing needless regulations upon themselves and others. Um, I was reading in the commentary work this week, and this is kind of how I thought, I, I thought it was interesting how this commentator put this problem. He said, what this church was facing was false teachers within the church that were, that were teaching creeds without conviction. They were teaching structure without substance. In other words, what Paul is reminding them of in this letter is everything that we believe and how we operate has everything to do with Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. That's what's important. 
And the thing that we have to understand about this letter, that it wasn't all of the church that was in trouble with this, okay? The majority of the church was, was following Jesus, was doing what they were to do. But there were false teachers within this church that were relentless in trying to get this false doctrine, this false teaching across to the church. And there was a lot at stake here. A lot at stake. There were people trying to pull a church away from Jesus. And that's why Paul wrote this letter. And as you look, at, we're going to be looking again at, at kind of the end of Colossians chapter 1. But before you get to the end of that, what you see previous to that in chapter 1 is Paul talks about Jesus' incredibly powerful creative power. All right? Jesus was there. Jesus was right through the middle of, he was right in the middle of all of it when all of this around us was created so many years ago. And not only was he a part of it being created, he's a part of holding it together. Sustaining it. If Jesus discontinued doing that, everything that we have around us would literally spin out of control. And, and the point that Paul is making in this is this. Jesus is powerful. He's a powerful guy. And he holds everything together. And, and that's chapter 1. And then chapter 2 what we see is Jesus has incredible power also over spiritual forces. Right, And he conquered spiritual forces, the evil ones, on the cross. So right between these two things about Jesus, his creative power and his authority over the spiritual world, what we find in the end of chapter 1, Paul talks in the middle of this about a great mystery. Colossians chapter 1, I've already told you that. Turn to verse 25. Verse 25. This is Paul writing to the church in Colossae. This is what he says. Of this church I was made a minister according to the stewardship from God bestowed on me for your benefit. So that I might fully carry out the preaching of the word of God. Now listen closely to this. That is the mystery which has been hidden from the past ages and generations, but now has been manifested. It has been made known. It has been shown to his saints. To whom God willed to make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Kind of as I look at these verses, the way I I want to look at it, because it's just spelled out. We're going to see that here in just a second. Paul is in a position that God has put him in, and it's this. Paul, his job, his place is this mystery middle management, all right? I don't know how many of you deal with management, work with management, all right, in your place of work. If you don't do it at work, you do it at home, okay? Because there is a management structure in your house, I promise you whether you know it or not. And somewhere, you fit. You fit the top, you fit the middle, you fit the bottom. I don't know. You have to decide that for yourself. In this arrangement, Paul was middle management of this mystery. Hebrews chapter 11 is an incredible chapter in the Bible. We call it the hero chapter. We call it the 
the heroes of the faith. And the writer of the book of Hebrews talks about how by faith so many people in the Old Testament did amazing things from Abraham to Moses to Samson to Barak to all of these these great heroes, if you will, of the faith. And then he moves on into people that we don't read about in the Old Testament, but they were there, the stories that we don't get. Because, guys, this, this Bible we hold covers a huge span of time. We don't get everything about world history in this, all right? There's a lot going on that wasn't written in here. And talking about how people suffered because they were believers in Yahweh God. They were sawn in two. Yeah, it says that. They were stoned. They were imprisoned. They lived in caves. They did all of these things. And it says all of these great heroes of faith died without getting to know the end of the mystery story. Some of these even wrote about the end of that mystery story. We call one of them Isaiah. He was a prophet in the Old Testament who wrote a lot about what was coming. Not probably completely understanding what he was writing about. Because they did not get the end of the mystery. They lived before it and they died before it happened. In verse 25 of Colossians, what we see here, it says, Paul says, of this church I was made a minister. What that means very literally is a a lower level servant. All right? They use a completely different word for like an elder or a deacon within a church. This is simply a servant. Paul says, that's what I am. I was made a servant of this church. But he follows that with something else. I was made a servant, a minister, according to the stewardship from God. And it's interesting, stewardship, what what it means literally in the Greek is, remember I told you about your house, there is management there? (laughs) Literally, stewardship in the Greek means household management. Right? And what it's referring to is that middle place of service. In other words, what he's saying, Paul's saying is, God chose me to reveal the mystery of the Old Testament prophecy. And this is the mystery. Every bit of what was written in the Old Testament about the coming Savior of the Jews was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. But this church, and our church too, was made up of more than than Jews. So, So Paul doesn't just leave it right there. He goes on to make the mystery known. Don't overlook how big a statement Paul is making here in verses 26 and 27. You have had heroes of the faith that we just talked about that died without getting to experience the knowledge of how God was going to save this world. How God was going to save his people, not just the Jews, but his people in this world. Don't overlook how big this statement is. Paul saying is, hey, the mystery's solved, guys. This is it. Verse 27. Let's look at it again. Paul says, God willed to make known What is the riches of the glory of this mystery according to the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory? There's three things that I want to look at in that verse 7 right there, okay? 
The first one is this. Paul says, Christ in you. Look to your Bible. What precedes the you? That's your nearest antecedent. Oh boy, we're getting Englishy now. <laughs> Look out. The nearest antecedent is, hopefully in your version, the Gentiles. All right? The Gentiles are non-Jews. And I'm telling you guys, in the Old Testament, God had his people, and they were the people of Israel. It wasn't until the New Testament that that expanded out to include people of every tribe, tongue, every nation, all right? And I'm telling you, we better be thankful for that, okay? Because I don't know how many Jews are in this room right now. That God expanded that plan out beyond them. And he says this, Christ is in you, Gentiles, in two ways. He's inside your heart. You see, that, that's what it, a big part of becoming a follower of Jesus is. It's Jesus comes to live within. But you know something? That doesn't fit the context. I mean, it fits the context of the New Testament, but it doesn't fit the context of what Paul's talking about here. What he's talking about here is Christ is among you. You Gentiles, he is in you. He is more. Do you remember what Pilate had put above Jesus' head on that cross? We talk about it during Easter. We probably talk about it more often than that. He put a sign up there. I think part of it was to really get. Pilate, did I say Paul? Did I say Paul? I said Pilate, didn't I? Okay, good, because for some reason I thought I said Paul. All right, Pilate. I think he did this to get back. He did not like the chief priest. He, he didn't like any of that, okay? He didn't like him at all. Pilate really didn't like anybody, all right? He's just punk. But, but I think to get back at them, he wrote something and put it up above Jesus. You remember what it said? The king of the Jews. King of the Jews. But what Paul is saying here is this. Christ in you. He is so much more than the king of the Jews. He's the king of kings. He's the king of everyone. So that's the first thing I want us to look about, this mystery. Christ in you, the Gentiles, are included in this. And I'm telling you, some of those guys in the Old Testament, they would be, they'd be befuddled by this. Whoa, 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 wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. We're your people, God. Not anymore. God's people has expanded to every tongue, tribe, and every nation. But that's not where he leaves it. That's not the only part of this mystery. Also, look at this word, hope. Remember what we talked about a few weeks ago? What is the message of Christmas? It's hope. The message of Christmas is hope. Because Christmas isn't just about a manger. Christmas is about a cross. Christmas is about eternal life. Jesus came with a purpose to give hope. Not to just one select group of people in this world. To give hope to everyone. The fruit of the fruit of his mission being accomplished is this. Everyone in this world can have hope. Real hope. And then the last part of this mystery, and this is the good one. This is the one that still has a little mystery to it. Glory. What does it say? Christ in you, the hope of what? Glory. This is the greatest part of this mystery. There's still a little bit of mystery to it. Not the how it comes about. The glory, we know how the glory is going to come to us. It's because of what Jesus did on the cross, paying for our sins. But we don't know exactly what it's going to look like. Guys, understand something. When we share heaven with our Lord, when he calls his people home, and we share heaven 
with him. We will not simply bask in the glory of our God. We will share in it. You understand that? Okay, let me put it this way. When Remember we talked about this a few weeks ago? What, what happened when the angel showed up to those shepherds? Those shepherds ended up on their faces, trembling, terrified. Not just because it was an angel. What came with the angel? And I'm not talking about the other angels yet. That's a little bit later. It says, the glory of God shone around them. This is the thing, guys. And you cannot, we cannot let this get past, get past us. The part of God that would put on us on our faces trembling. If God's glory showed up in this room right now, if we survived it, we would be on our face trembling. And the part of God that would put us on our faces trembling today will be the part that will be part of who we are in heaven. We will share in God's glory. Does that excite you? God will still be God. It's not like we're going to be God up there, all right? God will still be the one and only God. But we will be transformed by Jesus Christ into what God already sees when he looks at us today. And I know that sounds a little confusing. It means this. When God, I love how C.S. Lewis puts it. He says, when God sees his people today... He sees Jesus. When he sees JB, he sees Jesus, and it's not just because of the beard, okay? When he sees you, Eddie, he sees Jesus. He looks at you, he sees Alexis, he sees Jesus. That's how God sees us. Now, we don't feel that way. I can tell you this. There are very few days, if any, that I feel like Jesus, all right? But that's what God sees. God sees holy people Filled not only with his spirit, but one day when he looks at us and we share heaven with him, he will see people filled with his glory. This is the mystery, folks. Just boil it down to this. This is it. Jesus purchased for us the ultimate restoration plan. We have any restorationists here, and I'm not talking about any type of church movement or anything like that, but you like to restore things. You got anybody here? You better raise your hand, John. I know you like to restore. Okay, got a few of you. All right. Addison and I are here at church today. Donna and Audrey are not. You know why? Because Audrey puked all yesterday afternoon and last night. Okay? Um... Donna puked all New Year's Eve. Came home from work, Aaron, and started puking. That'll make you feel good back there at the hospital. Did you work that night? Okay, good for you. God was looking out for you. All right. Um, we went to the Bayless side of Christmas on Christmas Eve because Donna worked Christmas Day, so we went there then. And my brother-in-law that I love so much, I just love him. He's such a great guy. He came to that Christmas Eve, Christmas gathering, sick to his stomach. Puked all day the day before, and he, he woke up that morning, puked again, 
And it came to Christmas. Merry Christmas. Gave us a wonderful Christmas gift. And the weird thing about this Christmas gift is it waits like five days for it to show itself. <laughs> so that's what happened to Donna. And then five days later, happened to Audrey. And now I don't, I'm not going to get sick, you know. But isn't it interesting? I just see all of you, you're kind of smiling. Some of you are laughing because you know what I'm talking about. It is Christmas. It's the season of hope and sickness. That's what it is. All right, let's just throw it out there because that's what it is. And we capitalize hope and we put sickness in lowercase because it's not nearly as important. But that's what it is. We go and we get all the sickness from our family. Then our kids go to school and share all the sickness that those kids got from their families. And then it's all sickness. It's just sickness, sickness, sickness. All right? Puking, headaches, snotty noses. Ugh. Guys, one day it's done. It's over. And it's not just physical sickness that will be over and done with. It's, it's emotional. It's physical. It's spiritual sickness. You know, this mystery of Jesus' purchase, purchasing for us the ultimate restoration plan. It's interesting that, that Peter, you can read about in 1 Peter chapter 1, that, that he writes, that get this, this just blows my mind. He writes that even the angels are in awe of this. They look at this relationship built by the blood of Jesus Christ between God and mankind, and they just sit back and like, Gabriel, I don't get it. Well, I don't get it either, Michael. (laughs) I don't know, but we're just doing what the big man says needs to be done, all right? Even the angels don't understand it. This is what they can't quite get. Adam and Eve, they walked with God every day. They walked with him. They talked with him every day. So much was lost on that day. They made the choice to leave paradise and die. Jesus made a way to bring us back to God again. Jesus made a way not only for guilt and sorrow and pain and cruelty, racism, sin. And you can just add as much to that list as you want to add. He made a way not only for that to be removed forever from his people. He made a way to restore us and replace our grief with his glory. That's the mystery. Saul. Done so by Jesus and his work on a cross and his triumph over a tomb and the promise that he's here not only with us in spirit, but he's coming physically again to take us home.